EM board bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast where we try to make board studying a little bit more fun. We are here live in our studio. Live and fresh. Live and fresh. I love this studio setup that we have going on here, Dr. Briggs. Uh, We have this uh, sound insulated with uh, drywall and um, desk space, also (laughs) known as uh, my office. (laughs) Dr. Hussain has about five monitors in here. It's like you could mistake this room for a radiology reading room. He actually is double boarded in radiology and emergency medicine. That's a false on that other one. So for each 10 to 15 minute episode, uh, we throw out high yield board bomb knowledge. We like to say come for the stems, but stay for the content. Sign up on our website for free updates at emboardbombs.com. You can find us on Twitter as well, at emboardbombs. So let's go ahead and get started. Dr. Briggs, you are examining a patient who presents with EMS from home after an apparent dog bite injury. He states he spent seven hours trying to get the perfect quotes cutest picture of his dog for reddit so he could get some reddit gold whatever that means and some upvotes but apparently there's a thread called reddit r pets or something Mm -hmm. um but his dog became agitated by all the picture taking and he alleges that his dog proceeded to bite him however his friend who accompanies him thinks the real reason his dog bit him is because he feeds his dog a hashtag vegan diet and his dog became tired of this what is even what is it vegan diet there's apparently it's a thing okay that's a thing yeah okay. i was behind on this uh, yeah i mean I, I was too i mean this is someone else wrote this for us just kidding <laughs> um and which which of the following is true a tetanus vaccination is only indicated if vaccination has not occurred in less than 10 years b hand lacerations can be closed for cosmesis if no infection is present and if less than 12 hours C, antibiotic prophylaxis is always indicated in hand injuries. D, when closing wounds, subcutaneous sutures are preferred. E, wound culture should be acquired in initial ED presentation in case of infectious complications in the future. What's the answer here? Sorry, I was sipping from my official EM Board Bombs Yeti mug. (laughs) All right, so uh, the correct answer here, after going through all those, is going to be C. Antibiotic prophylaxis is always indicated in hand injuries due to bites of any type. I think out of all the questions we've had, it's probably the easiest stem. It probably is. That we've come up with. We usually like to stump people. You know, uh, we, I decided in the mood since we're about, you know, about yeah, we're doing it live. Yeah, we're doing it live. <laughs> we're doing it live. <laughs> doing it live. We're less than two months away from in service exam for a lot of residents in the country. So we thought, you know what, we got to throw you an easy one here. Got to make you feel better Agreed. as you're doing Rosh review. Agreed. So let's let's go through bites really fast here. Easy board question. Really, the big things are indications for antibiotics, mm-hmm. as well as when to close, when not to close. Right. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much what's going to be here. Oh, and of course, you have that random question every now and then on the microorganisms, which sticks. But you got yeah, the, the microorganism one. I think I feel like uh, unfortunately we have to get through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, it's not as bad as methanol and ethylene glycol. Oh, jeez. Oh, but yeah. I got compliments on that today oh, from uh, one of our fellow colleagues here in the department. Oh. So most common bites in order: dogs, followed by cats, right. and then followed by humans, and then followed by rodents. We're not going to talk about rodents today. Among animals. It is most often provoked. So what are the organism animal bites? Everybody knows Pastorella. I feel like everybody quotes Pastorella all the time, followed by Staphylococcus. And then, of course, you got polymicrobial. You know, think about anything that's in the mouth of an animal, right? Staph, strep, anaerobes. But Pastorella is going to be your go-to answer. Here is the 
board bomb pearl. This is always, I swear, this is gonna be on your in-service or it's gonna be on your board review. I don't know why they love this name. I can't even pronounce it well. Yeah, I just, as you were saying all that, I was like, I gotta psych myself up to pronounce this. Uh, Capnocytophagia. This is only seen in asplenic patients. And as you could guess, it is gonna be a encapsulated bug and that's why it causes this gram-negative sepsis. So they're gonna to have to throw you a bone here. Hey, no pun intended. And they're gonna to have to basically say in the stem. You would do that. I know, right? Asplenic patient presents with a recent bite from some animal. Just go ahead and look at the answer choices for capnocytophagia. Right. I said that without looking at the script. That's pretty good. That's impressive. Who are we you kidding? Were... We don't have a script. <laughs> what are you talking about? We just do it. We just no. do this live. We do live. All right, so organisms from human bites. Human bites is going to be Echinella. And this is another one, though. Like, this is another one. The, the, the capnocytophagia and also the Echinella, those are the two. You, out of all, everything we're telling you right now, you got to remember, right? I feel like the pastorella, staff stuff, they're like, mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But the capnocytophagia and the Echinella, right? Knowing the capnocytophagia, asplenic uh, patients, you know, animal bite. And then for human bite, the Echinella. Always. That's it. Yeah, and there's you know there's gonna be just to be complete here aerobic anaerobic gram positive coxi mix which we all know lives in the mouth strep fusobacterium all yeah. them but that doesn't matter they're not gonna give you that because every person in medicine knows that we have gram positive coxi right. living in the right. mouth so they're gonna go for the echinella so bites are gonna be contaminated of course it is an injection injury remember that zombie hand we talked yeah, about months hand. ago famous episode yeah. we got a famous lot of episode. love on that we did except yeah. now you're injecting straight up bacteria right. so cat bites are much higher risk for puncture wounds and injecting bacteria deep into the wound. In the hand or foot, this can put the patient at high risk for, you know, osteomyelitis, tenosynovitis, septic arthritis. Remember, because the tissue planes are not that deep. Right. And, and when you go through that tissue plane, you don't have much space until you immediately hit a tendon or a nerve. Right. Human bites, let's do a quick aside about human bites because this is just a really high yield point And it really is a life burrow when you see these patients in the ED. This is going to be that classic fight bite. There's going to be a clenched fist injury. It's more of like an indirect bite, right? It's like hand enters mouth bite. <laughs> right. And that's because of a, a closed that, fist. Also known as fist to the face. Fist to a the punch. face. It's also called fisticuffs. <laughs> fisticuffs. So this is not so much a bite, right? It's closed fist meets teeth and the skin can be broken. And this results, of course, in inoculation of the wound with human oral flora like Echinella, right? The most common locations can be a laceration and abrasion to the third and fourth metacarpal or uh, pip joints. These are extremely deceptive. And you look and you kind of manipulate it and dab some of the blood coming out, it's oozing, and it's clearly broken skin. In those people, as, as silly as it looks and as silly as it seems, they absolutely need antibiotics, and they'll go home with antibiotics. And they don't tell you oftentimes. Exactly. Yeah. They don't want to admit that. So anytime, you should always ask that. That's always a question I ask. Anytime someone comes in with some sort of hand abrasion or hand trauma is, did you punch someone in the face? Exactly right. Um, I, said it, I said it in a nicer way, though. Yeah. <laughs> What have you been doing at home, son? (laughs) (laughs) I punched a wall. That's a classic story. (laughs) So clinical presentation, and I'm talking about now just general bites, not just human anymore, human, animal. Let's say they they look infected. Well, they're going to have the classic erythema, swelling, intense pain. You're going to have local cellulitis developing around there, and actually develops pretty quickly. So if they come about two days after, anytime greater than 24 hours after a so-called bite, you can develop signs of infection. The workup, of course, if you are concerned about infection, you'll do your typical blood cultures, wound cultures, prior to antibiotic therapy, and then you'll do your usual CBC, CRP, ESR, x-rays, basically, you know, septic arthritis dash osteomyelitis lab workup. Important note here, and this was one of the answer choices, wound cultures of uninfected bites are not helpful. So I've seen this happen, especially in the community. When someone comes in, this fight bite person, for example, they have no sign of infection. They've come in less than six hours after just punching someone in the face, and they won that fight, and they told you they won it. And they come in, and they have that abrasion over their fist, 
they don't have signs of infection, people will say, well, it's just culture anyway. Don't do that because it's going to grow staph or strep because it's, it's, it's not a sterile yeah. area yeah. It's, and it's not going to help you, right? Yeah. So don't do it. Don't get wound cultures unless it is actively infected. So what's the wound management here? Of course, we're going to do a general inspection. As Dr. Hussein just said, you make sure that area is not deceptively broken skin. You look at the bite in general. You look for other bites, right? Because sometimes they may be concentrating on the one area that hurts the most. Classic missed right. trauma eval, right? Or missed right. gunshot wound. And then you're going to stabilize the wound, direct pressure of actively bleeding, assess neuromuscular status, things we would all do and we won't get into today. You're going to anesthetize, if possible, prior to looking deeper into the wound. If they're stable, the bite and the patient themselves, you aggressively wash out this wound with 1% iodine mixture and pressure irrigation. Remember from your wound care, we don't have to do cleaning agents on right. non-contaminated wounds. This is straight up contaminated. I think we all know that. But you will aggressively clean this with iodine mixture with sterile water. And then, of course, last step, you could potentially debride some of the dead tissue if you're not consulting anyone. You know, if there's no tendon or neurovascular damage and it's just, you know, soft tissue bite, you will debride any dead tissue and then close it up depending on where it is. And I think this next step is key, right? Primary closure, which mm -hmm. you're going to get into here. Mm -hmm. I think this is where sometimes it feels like the field is moving and where we know when to close, not to close. But the following is uh, what Blake is going to tell you is, at least for the boards, you know, a rough idea of four primary closure. Absolutely. And you know, one, one last step here um, is, as I said, debriding all tissue, you're going to remove all foreign bodies. Sounds obvious, but you'd be surprised right. the amount of things we're missing. You are, again, aggressively, aggressively washing this out. Primary closure here, that's what Dr. Hussain was hinting in toward. This is one of two major board points for today. If you had to walk away from this talk with just two major points. So you're going to primarily close this wound only if three of the following, all three, not just one of three, not just two of three, all three, clinically uninfected, less than 12 hours old, and not on the hand or foot. And you think about it, the first two go together. If it's clinically uninfected, chances are it's going to be less than 12 hours anyway, right? right? So not on the hand or foot. Most cat and human bites, they should not be repaired, at least not in the ED. Only when cosmesis is, you know, it's absolutely paramount and one can consider repair. You know, most commonly would be the face, it's right? The face, yep. The face. If suturing... Obviously, you're not going to use sub-Q sutures or deep sutures. I mean, that's always one of the answer yeah, choices. <laughs> Very yeah, suboptimal. Yeah, so don't yeah. bury some deep, you know, nice Vicryl, and then it has a little trail going up to the surface like a nice yeah. candle wick. It's, it's going to be great. It's going to be trailing, you know, a little bit of that Echinella, you know, just right in there. <laughs> Echinella to the surface. Uh, and you should be using cyanoacrylate. Do you know what that is? No, what is that? That's Dermabon. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Keep it simple. We're using non-absorbable sutures, nice big sutures, nice simple sutures. You can clearly see your knots. And this is for many reasons. One, less infectious issue than deep sutures. And of course, if the wound becomes infected, which is a high probability, they're going to need to cut those out when they come back to the ED and do a surgical washout. So absolute contraindications to primary closure. Obviously, the three up there, we said, hey, it needs to be what, Dr. Hussain? So clinically uninfected, right? Uh, less than 12 hours old, approximately, and not on hand or foot. Yeah, so those three are important, but what are the absolute contraindications of primary closure? Crush injuries, no, of course not. Mm -hmm. And then as we talked about, bites on hands and feet and wounds great 12 hours old. And then the last thing is a sneaky, but never suture bites in immunocompromised patients. Unless again, cosmesis is paramount. Right. They're never going to give you that situation on the test where they have to give this complicated situation yeah, where they're immunocompromised, but it's over their eyelid. What do you do? They're right. never going to give you that. It's going to be straightforward. And so let's say you're not closing it. Again, aggressively irrigating, dressing it, leaving it open to drain. There should be monitoring daily, of course. When do you call a surgeon? The obvious is any neurovascular compromise, any deep wounds below the fascia or you know complex facial lax. 
wound prophylaxis. So last, you know, two of two, this is the big board bomb pearl here for today. Right. What is indicated when you do wound prophylaxis? You know, I know in the community, we're probably a little more aggressive treating this and that's okay. But on the boards, they want the exact indications. They're not going to say right. everyone gets antibiotic prophylaxis. And I was surprised when I was doing practice questions routinely and I see this question come up and I'm like, wait a minute, I've been giving wound prophylaxis to like everyone. I'm kind yeah. of aggressive about it. Right. But on the boards, they will specifically give you case scenarios in the yeah. question stems yeah. and the answer choices and say, hey, which one of these people gets wound prophylaxis? So let's read through them. Two of them are going to be easy. One, deep puncture wounds. Right. Straight up. And for this, you really think about like your cat bite wounds, Absolutely. right? That's the classic one where with dogs, you don't usually have that puncture, right? But with the cat bite wound, usually you do have that puncture. Absolutely. Second one's going to be crush injury, another obvious one, any right. crush injury. And then wounds on hands, face, genitalia, and feet. The feet are easy to remember because that's far away from the body. So high risk of, you know, think of your diabetic foot ulcers. And then genitalia, face, hands. I remember all those three, you know how? Because the skin is so thin there. I mean, right. that's an area where just penetration is going to be the highest. So wounds on the hands, face, genitalia, and feet should get prophylactic antibiotics. Of course, any wounds that undergo primary closure, that makes obvious sense. You are closing that wound, a contaminated wound, um, high risk of infection. And then the last one also makes sense. Any patient that's immunocompromised. So one more time, Dr. Sane, just to summarize. Yeah, so really, uh, again, deep puncture wound, I could think like a cat bite, uh, crush injury, um, wounds to the hands, face, genitalia, feet. Again, think of thin-skinned areas. Um, and any wounds that you're going to be suturing up for sure. And then obviously the immunocompromised patient. Bingo. All right, last point here. We're going to close it up here. No pun intended again. I'm just on the pun roll today. You really so, are. Your pun game is on today. Thank you. Uh, above that. average. So when, what antibiotics do you give? So the first dose should be obviously given in the ED, in IV preferably, just to that rapid dose infusion. There are plenty of options here. What's going to be the answer whenever you see it on the test question? Augmentin. As we call dogmen. Augmentin. I like it. Yeah, I thank like you. That <laughs> I can't coin it. It's, I've <laughs> seen it a lot. So augmentin for any bite. Cat, human, dog. Zosin is another great option. Augmentin and Zosin are both great. And you should be sending these patients home on Augmentin. Other options, let's say you can't give Zosin or Augmentin, Ceftriaxone plus Flagyl or Ceftriaxone versus uh, Clinda. Let's say they're penicillin and cephalosporin allergic because board questions love that because everybody knows Augmentin, I feel like. Everyone knows Augmentin. So what if they say, hey, they can't take you know penicillin or cephalosporins? You could also do one fluoroquinolone, such as Cipro or, or Levofloxacin, plus Flagyl or Clinda. But again, outpatient therapy, augmentin is preferred, or you can do doxy or clinda if penicillin allergic for outpatient therapy. And of course, last but not least, as we wrap up, everyone gets a tetanus vaccination. Some oral boards, I know, oral boards practice, you can do everything right and you miss tetanus, you failed. So tetanus, remember, and remember uh, the common misconception, even though we update every 10 years, if you have a contaminated wound, it needs to be every five. So tetanus vaccination has not been given in less than five years. The patient not only needs a, a TD shot, but it needs human tetanus immunoglobulin. All right, Dr. Hussain, how was that? I love it. You know, I think, uh, you know, some of the key things we reviewed are the types of bacteria, right? We also reviewed on when you should do primary closure. And then we talked about prophylaxis and, you know, the types of antibiotics to use. Those are really the key three things that we hope you picked up uh, with this board bomb podcast. Um, so, you know, that's it. Another board bomb has been delivered. Remember to sign up on our website, emboardbombs.com, for future episodes on new content and updates. That's emboardbombs.com. Um, you know, it's free to sign up. You got a bunch of bonus content there as well. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is emboardbombs.com. We also have an Instagram handle. Just kidding, we don't. And uh, please drop us an Apple review as well. Uh, we are on iTunes. Uh, subscribe to us there. Uh, we do appreciate reviews. So drop us a review. 
uh, five star review. Uh, if it's a three or four star review, uh, we'd prefer you don't do anything. We'll block you. Um, we'll block you. Yeah. <laughs> See you next time. All right. Good job. See ya. Thanks.